0: My name is Steve Murphy, the lead minister here. If you were not here last week, we want you to go online and listen to a message that was very important. The message was about three of our core values. The first one is grace, and we lead with that intentionally. The second core value was truth. And that's also very, very important. And we can easily get either of those out of balance as followers of Jesus. Sometimes we lean too much toward the grace side. Sometimes we lean toward too much toward the truth side. And we need to keep those in balance. And the only way to keep them in balance is to use the Word of God, to be connected with Him, and to pray, and to allow the Holy Spirit to help us keep them in balance. So again, if you didn't hear that message, we really encourage you to go and check that out. I want to do a quick quiz as we jump into our new series this week. We're going to start off with this quiz. You're going to fill in the missing element, okay? So thinking of baseball positions, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, right field, pitcher, what's missing? Catcher. All right. Uh, Think about the days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What's missing is Wednesday. All right. And uh, think of some vital organs. This is not all of them, but some of the vital organs in in your body are like your liver, your lungs, your stomach, your pancreas. What's missing? Your heart. Well, at Discover, I don't know that it's been completely missing by any means, but we have not emphasized an element of following Jesus, an element of discipleship that really we need to make sure we, we do. It's part of the whole picture of being a follower of Jesus. And what's interesting is this topic has 2,350 references in the Bible, 2,350 references in the Bible. So the ladies are going to unroll a piece of paper that lists these 2,350 references. This is not The verses printed out. This is just a reference to them, and they're in two columns on the piece of paper. So that is a lot of references. This is a topic Jesus talked about more than any other. And the reason Jesus talked about this topic was because he understands how important it is for us to have this right. The reason to have this right is because, as with anything else, when we live within God's design, it's a blessing. When we live outside of God's design, it's a burden. So this is to help us to be free from burdens. This is to help us have blessing in our lives, to live within God's design. And the topic, as some of you, I'm sure by now have figured out, is the one that we love to talk about and we love to hear about the most. It's finances, right? It's financial wisdom. If you can read, you probably figured it out, right? So, uh... It's it's a really important topic, and here's why. Because, again, living outside of God's plan brings us stress and burden, and it affects us. It affects our relationships. If you live like many of the people in the United States, this is what's going on. 60% of people spend more than they earn. 60% have less than $1,000 in savings. 38% 38% live paycheck to paycheck. 33% only pay the monthly minimums on their credit cards. 25% of people don't pay their bills on time. 21% don't have any retirement savings at all. And 95% don't give at what the Bible would kind of have as a, a general baseline of generosity. And I know for a lot of people, there's this student loan debt. It's like this massive thing that's out there, right? So there is a lot of weight on us financially. And there has to be something better than what we've been doing individually as a nation. And there is. There is. There is a plan that works for everyone. And it's a plan to bring freedom and hope. And it's God's plan. And it's available to everyone. God has written the greatest financial plan ever. And it's available to everybody. The simplifying the money conversation, the four H's of financial wisdom. In the next four weeks, we're going to unpack these four H's heart, habits, health, and hope. Now, let me say to you this is not so we can raise funds as a church. I know that's what you think. Oh, they're talking about finances. They're wanting money. Well, every ministry needs money. This is about being whole as people, as followers of Jesus. This is about being able to be unburdened from something that weighs so many people down. In the intro to the book, it says, what if it was possible to understand financial issues without having to know about spreadsheets and retirement plans? Would you feel relief? Yes, I would. (laughs) As you think about your money, do you want to be able to successfully face financial challenges and meet financial goals? Ultimately, I want you to handle money from a confident place and empowered by financial wisdom. So that's how the book starts. It's about freedom and confidence. You see, if you live God's way, then you can spend less than you earn. You can have more than $1,000 in your savings. You won't have to live paycheck to paycheck. You can have a zero balance on your credit cards. You can pay your bills on time, have a retirement savings, and you can live and give in a truly generous way. And I know you're thinking, I don't know that I can do that. And obviously there are challenges. Some people have greater burdens than others. But these principles are there for our lives to help us to be free. And the reality is, not in every situation, not in every case, but most of the time, if we're struggling, it's for this reason. It's not a money issue. Most of the time when you get right down to it, it's not a money issue. It's a stewardship issue. It's a heart issue. It's a discipleship issue. Discipleship. Now we throw that word around. What does that mean? What is discipleship? Well, discipleship is following Jesus as a disciple. Well, what's a disciple? (laughs) Well, here at Discover, we use Matthew 4.19 to describe what a disciple is. It's based on a verse that Jesus said, come, follow me, and that will make you fish for people. And that has three parts to it. Follow me is an intellectual decision we make with our head, and we say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Our whole life is involved in that. But we have to decide. So we represent that with the word head. And then he said, I will make you. You used to be a fisherman. You used to do this. I want to change your heart. So that's the second part is to be changed by Jesus. That's our hearts. And then the last part is to live on mission with Jesus. Our hands, our gifts our talents, our resources, we use those to serve, to help others in need, to share the good news of Jesus. So it's head, heart, and hands. And when you think about discipleship, when you think about the money part of that, it really comes down, a lot of it is to the heart. That's why the the first thing that the book talks about in the four H's is, is a heart. How are you aligned with God's heart? And Jesus completely understands this. Jesus knows that our hearts are completely tied up in our lives. I mean, things just come out of them. That's where we are. And so Jesus says in a great passage, it's great to go back and get context for this, to read it. Um, It's in what's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest discourse that we have of Jesus' teaching And in this, he says in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. The issue isn't whether we will store up treasure or not. We're going to do that. We're going to use our resources somewhere. The question is where? Where are we going to invest our lives? Where are we going to do our banking, if you will, with what God has given us? Three guys founded a company you may have heard of. It's called Apple. You may recognize at least one of these guys. The one on the left, most people would recognize, or many people would recognize, is Steve Jobs. Uh, The guy on the right, um, Apple fan people, they sort of know who that guy is. That's Steve Wozniak. So two Steves, good dudes, obviously. And uh, the guy in the middle is a guy named Ronald Wayne. Most people haven't heard of him. Um, Ronald Wayne was the third founder in Apple. And Ronald Wayne, early on, he wanted out, and so he sold ten percent, his ten percent in Apple, and he made eight hundred dollars, <laughs> eight hundred bucks. You can almost buy a phone for that, right? <laughs> eight hundred dollars. Now, hey, he made eight hundred bucks. That's more than I made on Apple, right? I'm given Apple money. He made eight hundred dollars, but ten percent of Apple more or less today, is about $1 billion. So $800, 1000000000 Kind of hard to compare the two, right? Kind of like earthly treasure or heavenly treasure. There's really no comparison. But this isn't really about money. I mean, Steve Jobs made a ton of money, and Steve Jobs would have turned 65 this past week. But all the money that Steve Jobs had couldn't defeat cancer. This is about not this earth, not our stuff. This is about eternity. It's about heaven. And when you make a deposit in the first bank of heaven, if you will, it's guaranteed that it won't go away. It's guaranteed that it won't be stolen. It's not going to rust because it's protected and insured by God. Three words uh, real quickly to define. Store up, treasure, and heart. And store up in the original language, in the Greek, is one word. One word. It's thesaurizo. Thesaurizo. And it means to amass or to, to put into or to store up. The second word is treasure. And that's the Greek word, thesauros. Wait, that sounds like the first word. It does. It also sounds like the word thesaurus, right? The word thesaurus is a treasury, a treasure of words. By the way, side note, what is another word for thesaurus? That was funny. Okay. But really, if you take that, then thesaurizo and thesaurus, you could translate this as Don't treasure up for yourselves treasures on earth. But treasure up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's really how it reads in the original language. Heart. Heart then, as now, wasn't specifically, obviously, referring to the organ that pumps your blood. It's talking about a center place in your life. A deep place. Things like the will, our minds, our character, our personality. These are all things that are connected to this idea of heart. So Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there as well. You see, your heart and your treasure are always connected. They're always connected, and Jesus knew that. As Bible scholars, they'll debate whether your treasure leads your heart or your heart leads your treasure. In other words, is it the belief that you have or the, the behavior that you have that's most important? And really, I think it's both. I think it's both. On the one hand, behavior follows belief. Wherever your heart is, your are life is going to be there too. So look at your calendar, however you keep that. And look at your financial resources, however you manage those. And if you put those two things together, that's a lot of what you care about. So you're spending your time and your resources in a place of belief, a place of passion for you. Whatever you believe in, you're going to invest in. On the other hand, it's also possible for your belief to follow your behavior. So in other words, your behavior is the thing that goes first. If you invest in Pepsi, you may not even believe in Pepsi. You may not even drink Pepsi, but you're investing in it. And then suddenly you are interested in how Pepsi stock is doing. Or if you... Buy a piece of property, uh, a a rental property, let's say. You're going to care about how that's maintained. Your behavior is going first, and then your heart is following after. It's the same kind of thing. If you invest here in the kingdom at Discover, then guess what? You're going to be interested. You're going to be interested in seeing people grow in their relationship with God and helping others to grow in their relationship with God. You're going to be all about living out the mission and the vision of the church. And you're going to get involved in serving, not just coming to a worship service only. They're connected. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there too. All the time. Heart and treasure, heart and treasure. They are connected. And that's why the first element in the workbook is your heart. Your heart. The human heart has four chambers. And our blood pumps through those. In in a similar way, this book talks about four different parts of your heart that should be Bible-based. That your resources should flow through these four chambers as you are following Jesus. So the first part of that, the first chamber, if you will, is stewardship. And steward, Stewardship is the idea that everything belongs to God, and what we have is from God, and we manage it. He's given it to us to take care of. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. The whole world and all who live in it. It all belongs to God. Barry Cameron has a great illustration. He went to McDonald's with his son. And he said, What do you want? The son said, I want some fries, Dad. And he said, Perfect. Let's get some fries. I'm going to get a cheeseburger. You get fries. All right. So they ordered, they sat down. The dad said, You know, I, I want one of those fries. And so he reached over and grabbed one of his son's fries. And the son said, What are you doing? And he pulled the tray back. And the dad was like, What do you mean? What am I doing? What are you doing? (laughs) I'm the one who paid for those fries. I'm the one who gave you those fries. If I want a fry, you should give me a fry. Those are my fries. Do you think God ever wonders about us and says, you know, everything you have came from me. I gave them to you. I don't need what you have. I can go get more. You know, the dad could have gone and bought 10 boxes of fries if he wanted to. He just wanted his son to share and be generous. But he wasn't. He was stingy and thought it was for him. So the first thing we have to ask is, do I really believe that everything that I have is from God? Do I believe that God owns it all? Second, Am I content? And man, it is hard to be content in a world that continuously presses you for the next thing, for the larger thing, for the better thing, for the newer thing, right? We are bombarded with it. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And here's why. Because God has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. We have all that we need in our relationship with God. You know, if the newer, cooler, better thing satisfies, then why aren't we satisfied when we get the newer, cooler, better thing? Why do we always want more? A man was tired of seeing his friends buying bigger houses and a nicer place. And he said, you know what? This place stinks. I need a new house. So he contacted a real estate agent. And he said, would you list our house we want to sell? And the agent got all the details, said, okay. So a few days later, the man decided, you know what? I'm going to look for the next house. I'm going to look for the place I want to live. And so he got out the ads, and he was looking through it, and there was one that caught his eye. And he read through, and he's like, yes, I want that, I want that, I want that. That's exactly what I want. And he contacted the real estate agent. He said, I found the house that I want. And he read off the information, and the real estate agent said, you really like that house? And he said, I love that house. He said, that's good, because that's your house. (laughs) Probably not a true story. But this is, someone asked Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he said, one more dollar. Do I really believe that what I have now is enough? Do I believe that? The third chamber is our faith. Trusting in God. Believing. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. So it's not something we can see yet, but we have faith in that. So we follow Jesus without knowing exactly what the path of this life is going to look like. But we trust him with our lives, with our salvation. We know at the end that we will arrive where Jesus is leading to heaven in relationship with God. It's funny how we do that with our our eternity, but it's hard for us to do that with our finances. We should say, I don't know everything that's coming down the road financially, God, but you do, and I trust you, and I, I believe that by following your principles, your design, that at the end, and honestly, on the way, there will be blessing for me on the journey. But you have to have faith. To do that, you know, when you're sick, a lot of us will go to a doctor we really don't know very well. And the doctor will write out a prescription that we honestly can't even read. We'll take it to a pharmacist we've probably never met. We'll get a prescription, we'll get the drug back that we don't really understand. And what do we do? We put it in our mouth. Now, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. That's faith in a system, isn't it? I just trust all of these things are going to be correct and they're for my good. We do that with people we don't even know. But we know God and we, we love God and God loves us and God knows us. And we can trust that God has this plan in place that is for our good. So we have to ask. Do my finances demonstrate true faith? Am I behaving? Am I living out my faith without being able to yet see those results? Trusting in God. So stewardship, contentment, faith, and then last is wisdom. We need wisdom. Some young people provided wisdom that was maybe beyond their years. Randy, who was nine, said, stay away from prunes. Good idea, Randy. Eileen, who was eight, said, never try to baptize a cat. (laughs) Michael, who is 14, says, when your dad is mad at you and asks, do I look stupid? Don't answer. (laughs) And Michael also, wise young man, said, don't ever say to your mom, I'm not sure that that diet plane is working for you, mom. Don't do that. Naomi, who was 15, said, listen, if you want a kitten, you start by asking for a horse. (laughs) Pretty smart. Some wisdom in those children. We need wisdom when it comes to finances. We're, We're bombarded with all kinds of stuff that says, this is what you need, this is what you need, this is what you need, this is what you need. God has a plan. He does. right here. And it works. There is wisdom in the word of God. There is wisdom as the Holy Spirit leads our particular situation. There is wisdom in talking with people who love Jesus and love us and know how to help us navigate the difficult situation that we may be in, but will give us wisdom. God's wisdom is available. And we have to ask ourselves, do I truly believe that God's wisdom, first of all, Is correct? Is it true? And second, is it available? You know, so many things begin with our hearts. So many things begin right here, deep inside of us. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Because it's the source of life. If, if I go to the kitchen faucet and I turn the water on and something other than clean water comes out, something that looks maybe a little dirty or sludgy, I want to try to figure out what's going on, right? So I, just, I figure out, is this the faucet itself? And if that's not the problem, then maybe it's the line before that in the house. If that's not it, they, they come in, they say, no, it's not your house lines. Then you got to go further upstream, get closer, figure out somewhere there's a problem. So they check the main line then that comes from the reservoir. And maybe that tank is the problem. But no, all that's clean. So then you go all the way back to the treatment plant to the very source, or if you have a well, you know, you do that same thing. What's the problem? You need to go all the way back to the source and figure out what the problem is. If our heart is right, then it is the source of blessing. It's a fountain of good things. But if it's not, then, then stuff that comes out is going to be a problem in any area of our life. So regarding our resources, a healthy heart is aligned with God's heart when we realize that God really owns it all, and he's just asking me to take care of it. When we realize that what we have right now really is enough, when we show our faith in the way that we steward things, and when we follow God's wise plan and continue to seek his wisdom. See, here's the truth. God is not pursuing your money. God is pursuing your heart. God wants a relationship with each of us. That is his desire. So we have to ask ourselves, yeah, God is pursuing my heart. Is my heart pursuing God? If you've never surrendered your heart to God, first thing is to do that. And as we sing you can come up front or you can find somebody today and talk to them about what that looks like about surrendering and if you have surrendered and trusted god with your salvation with your eternity look and say god is my heart pursuing your heart with your wisdom with your plan regarding every aspect of my life including my finances let's stand and sing This has been a sermon series by Discover Christian Church. Find more at discovercc.org.